podcast. This is Hypochondriac Almanac, and we are really excited tonight. We have a special guest on the show tonight, Dr. Brooke Leverone. Normally, I would be recording with Katrina, but Katrina is actually on vacation at the moment, so we have this special guest on the show tonight who is going to provide some extra insight into some special issues. In case you're wondering, this is a podcast for all of you out there who secretly think you have a new disease every time you have a sniffle or a twinge or a headache. It's not a tumor. We understand, we identify, and we have definitely scoped out WebMD more than our fair share of the times, but today we are here to talk about some more common diseases instead of some of the more weird ones that we normally talk about. I've decided that today's show we're going to focus on the thyroid. Um, But before we get started, we need to talk about a few little disclaimers. Uh, First and foremost, I am not a doctor. Dr. Brooke Leverone is a doctor. Dr. Leverone can weigh in on this stuff, but... We want you to know that we are not trying to diagnose or cure anyone on this show, and we are not intending for this to be medical advice in any way, shape, or form. We don't want to treat or diagnose you. If you do have any issues, please, please, please see a doctor. Do not guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about some of the things that are going on in the world and in your body and kind of give you some insight into some things that you may not have known uh, before you listen to the show today. All right, let's jump right in. So... I want to introduce Dr. Leverone to the show today. Can you uh, give the listening audience a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me on the show today, Sarah. I love educating. That is the biggest passion I have when I work with my patients because education gives you the power to take control of your own health. So I really like being able to be part of these things. I am a naturopathic doctor specifically, uh, which some of you may already know what that is in your research and Googling. Uh, Some of you may not. We are licensed primary care physicians. We do go to a four-year postgraduate medical program, how to take boards, all those fun things. Uh, But our philosophy is much different. We believe the body has been designed to function optimally, that the biochemistry and physiology that exists there is more intelligent than we maybe sometimes give it credit for. And so what we want to do is try and support those normal pathways through diet, lifestyle, nutrition, so that your body can do what it was naturally designed to do, heal itself, correct imbalances, when it has the tools that it needs to. So I work with my patients uh, to help them do just that. We do a lot of specialty lab testing, trying to pinpoint some of their unique imbalances in their biochemistry and physiology. When you've got those chronic nagging symptoms that just don't go away, you know, what is it? It's nothing seriously wrong, but you're also not functioning as well as you could be. So that's kind of where we fall into medicine with naturopathic medicine. And we do, um, like I said, a lot of diet, lifestyle, nutrition. I, in my practice, do a ton of hormone balancing, endocrinology. So the thyroid is a huge part of what I do every day. Um, And with all the hormones, it's connected. So I do a lot of women's hormones as well, too. So what is the difference between holistic medicine and naturopathic medicine? So holistic medicine is sort of a general term to encompass any form of medicine that's going to look at you as a whole person, less holistic. So it's not holy as in spiritual, but whole as in the entirety, right? Mm -hmm. So things like acupuncture, Ayurvedic medicine, homeopathic medicine, all these things are going to be holistic. And even something as simple as somebody who does diet and lifestyle and maybe herbal 
practices could fall into the category of holistic. The idea is that when we traditionally go to our medical doctor for our yearly physical, they you know, may only be looking at the thyroid, but they aren't looking at the fact that the thyroid is impacted by your gut health and is affected by your adrenal health. So you want somebody in holistic medicine, what we do is we're looking at how all those things are connected and that way we can get a broader picture to treat the whole person. Right. So that holistic medicine can be naturopathic medicine, acupuncture, Ayurvedic, etc. It's the philosophy is what's behind it. So what would you say the most popular reason is that someone would go to see you as opposed to a normal doctor just in a regular doctor's office setting? Yeah, um, I'd say there's two reasons. One is that people are feeling like there's something off. They aren't feeling as good as they could be. Or maybe they've got some sort of chronic symptom that's been bothering them that when they go to their traditional medical doctor, they are told that they are fine and nothing comes back in the lab work. There's nothing wrong with them. And they get to the point where they get so frustrated that they're just looking for another alternative answer to what might be causing those things. And that's generally when people come in to see me or practitioners like myself. And the other reason is that people, uh, I think that there's been a lot of mistrust that is sort of formed in our culture with traditional medical care. And so from a personal philosophical standpoint, a lot of people will seek out naturopathic medicine or alternative care first because uh, they just don't want to seek the doctor for other reasons. Uh, but usually it's that gray area where people aren't getting the answers they, they're seeking from their traditional doctors that so they go and seek it somewhere else, such as my office. And what is the most common condition that you experience when you're in the office with your patients? Well, because of the medicine, because of the the population of patients that I treat, I see a lot of women's health with hormone imbalances. So I do a lot of PMS. I do a lot of menopause. Uh, I also, with the thyroid, do a lot of fatigue, weight gain, anxiety, insomnia. Those are my biggest clients, and, and I and I. I mean, there's lots of reasons why those are my biggest clients. I like it. It's it's something that I enjoy doing. It's something that's easy for me to address. Um, but I also think that that's a really huge issue in our culture. I think that there are a ton of people walking around out there with anxiety and insomnia and fatigue and PMS and hormone imbalances that are being told these symptoms are normal. That here, just take an Advil. Here, just take a Midol. Here, just take some Ambien. Yeah. Have a Prozac. And it's it's not it's not normal. There there's there's these are the how your body tells you something's out of alignment. Right. And you know when I can help people. So that's the big population that I see, and I and I feel like that's a big issue in our society. I do also do some gastrointestinal patients as well, uh, um, for because the gut is where everything starts. Right. So, always you know that's always going to be involved in some way or another so I do treat a lot of digestive health patients who have digest, um, patients with digestive complaints um, but that's the primarily what I see in my office do you see primarily women or do you find that there's an even mix or what what is your your primary client base I see primarily women and that's partly because women are more likely to go to the doctor so right. statistically speaking uh, the patient populations that are coming into any medical office is mostly women. Uh, so by default, I see mostly women. But because I do a lot of hormones, I see mostly women. And I do see men, too, because invariably those women are drag their husbands in after they get better and yeah. want me to fix them. 
How long have you been practicing, Dr. Lebron? Uh, I'm going on almost 11 years now. Oh, my goodness. So I think <laughs> if I remember correctly, I met you back in, I, I want to say, 2010? No, it wasn't that long ago. It was 2000, because um, I didn't move back to San Diego until 2012. So it was, so it was 2012? 2013, yeah. So my experience with Dr. Leverone was I met her in another office that she was working at in the beautiful city of Encinitas. Uh, we're not going to disclose the location that I met her at, but she was one of the doctors that was in there. And I was just really, I think, taken by her intelligence and her integrity and just her straightforward personality that was just like, tell it like it is, and I want to help. And it was just awesome to really meet her. And it's been cool to kind of see her practice evolve through the years. I've actually been a patient of hers myself and seen her for my own thyroid condition. So my idea was to kind of break this down and have a conversation with the doctor today about the thyroid, because I do not think that most people really understand thyroid conditions and what the thyroid does and how it impacts their health and things that they can do to support their thyroid and what the symptoms are if you are experiencing thyroid issues. Yeah. So I found this really great article on health.com that I'm going to share with the listeners and we're going to kind of break it down as we go through it and have the doctor kind of talk about some of these signs and symptoms and some of the things that we can do to support and help our thyroid. So this um, particular article is from health.com. It's called 19 signs your thyroid isn't working right. And Please feel free to jump in, Dr. Leverone, if you hear anything in here that doesn't sound quite right, because articles like this, you always got to take them with a grain of salt. For the most part, they can yep. be correct, but sometimes they're not always. But this one is by a, a woman named Ann Kruger, and it came out in January of this year. And um, it says the thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland in the neck that can have a dramatic impact on a huge variety of bodily functions. If you're a woman over the age of 35, your odds of thyroid disorder are high, more than 30% by some estimates. Is that kind of what you have experienced? Yes, women have a higher incidence of thyroid dysfunction than men do uh, for a variety of reasons, um, partly because of how our immune system works in comparison to men, partly because of hormones, but definitely a much higher incidence of thyroid dysfunction in women, but especially as we get older and that's multifactorial so 30 percent of women you'd say or would you say actually say it's higher i'd say it's higher i mean not probably not much higher but it, it's pretty significant um you know i'd venture to say it's probably closer to 50 percent, honestly but and that's if so you're counting all ends of the spectrum number all Say ends that again? Of, so all ends of the spectrum from very, very low functioning to mid-functioning to just a tiny bit misfunctioning, right? Right, yes. Yeah, wide range there. So it says that at least 30 million Americans have a thyroid disorder and half, about 15 million, are silent sufferers who are undiagnosed according to the American Association for Clinical Endocrinologists. Women yep, are... I, go ahead. <laughs> I, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It just says women are as much as 10 times as like more likely as men to develop a thyroid problem. And you kind of address that. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of talk about some of the symptoms that women may experience. And you as a listener may be experiencing some of these and not know that it is related to your thyroid. So it is really important that we kind of talk about these and break them down so you can sort of know and understand if this is something 
that may be impacting you. Thyroid 101. Located just below your Adam's apple, your thyroid produces thyroid hormone, which is T8. T4. Okay. As in and this regulates, among other things, your body's temperature, metabolism, and heartbeat. And you know what? It's probably, she was probably abbreviating thyroid hormone, TH, yes. thyroid hormone. I, I'm pretty okay. sure she was. So things, okay. things. There's two different ones. There's a four and a three, which we'll get to. Okay. Yeah. We'll break that down a little bit further as we get okay. into this in more detail. But this is just kind of, I think, a general overview. Because I don't think most people, oh. including myself, really understand or know what the thyroid looks okay. like, where it is, all that like, good yeah. stuff. So, again, the thyroid regulates, among other things, your body's temperature, metabolism, and heartbeat. Didn't know that. I, I didn't know that personally, but I guess it does make sense. Um, things, yeah. can, things can start to go wrong when your thyroid is under or overactive. So, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say thyroid hormone actually stimulates every single cell in your entire body. So, with the exception of the red blood cells. It stimulates every single cell, so skin, brains, eyes, digestion, bladder, liver, pancreas, ovaries, etc. It impacts every cell in the entire body. So the impacts of the thyroid hormone are global and numerous. That is so crazy that it's just, so, it's got a touch on every part of your body just about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what causes the thyroid to go haywire? And then this can be answered in genetics, autoimmune attacks, pregnancy, stress, nutritional deficiencies, toxins in the environments. And then some of the cases, experts aren't entirely sure what's causing it. Do these sound like some pretty common things that you experience from patients in your own practice that have kind of created these conditions in the human body? Yes, I would say that the, probably the number, the top, reasons that I see the thyroid dysfunction is stress and environmental toxins. Like what kind which, of environmental toxins? Yeah, so a numerous. Radiation is a big one, um, but I would say that inflammation caused by poor diet oh. and a variety of different chemical compounds that are endocrine disruptors that can come in the form of cleaning products, that Teflon-coated pan, certain skincare products that are all endocrine disruptors can contribute to it as well. Oh, that's interesting. So inflammation from gut health and diet and then toxins from just common household chemicals, really. What about, like, deodorant? Um, Is that Would that do it, too? Say that one again? What about deodorant? Would that interrupt as well? Deodorants, perfumes, fragrances? Um, that one, I would have to look up to see, but off the top of my head, I don't recall the chemicals from the deodorant specifically being the endocrine disruptors. Okay. It's more stronger uh, stuff. Yeah. It's more um, like cleaning products are kind of a big one. So if you go to the environmentalworkinggroup.org, they have an entire list of chemical compounds that are endocrine disruptors. Endocrine meaning hormone. So interesting. And I will put that in the show notes for the listeners so that they'll have that information as well. Yeah, it's ewg.org. It's a great resource, and you can check to see if your cleaning products have endocrine disruptors in them and then choose a better one to use in your house. That is so scary that something so innocuous looking would actually yeah. potentially create so much damage. 
Yeah, and you know, I'd say it's more a cumulative effect than any one specific thing. It's the exposure to the hundreds of chemicals that we are exposed to every day sort of add up after a while and can create a toxic environment essentially that can lead to different issues, uh, thyroid being one of them. Wow. And the show is not long enough to get into all of them, but I'm definitely going to have to have you back on at some point yeah. to have to discuss some other things because this is so fascinating and it, I think it's so timely right now and people don't know or understand a lot of this and it's really important yeah. to kind of expose people to this knowledge and to reach out and help people kind of get a grip on the things that are making them yeah. so tired or not feeling 100% all the time. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be a show on its own. Um, you know, we could go off forever, but I will, I will say, um, you know, just briefly that the environmental toxic load that we get from our environment is a big issue, and that you also have to take it with a grain of salt because we live in the world that we live in, right. and we can't control or stop all of it. So. Every time I go to an environmental medicine conference, I want to move to Mars because it might be safer. Right. But you guys just kind of take a deep breath and control what you can control in your home environment and and not let it overwhelm you because it can get overwhelming. But it is a thing and it is something to be aware of and just do what you can to prevent it, the and exposures. That we're going to have more conversation towards the end of the show where we talk about other things you can do to kind of strengthen your body and your immune system and, and sort of love and care for your thyroid. So we're going to get to that, folks, I promise. But the number one symptom that people um, are experiencing that can be attributed in many instances to thyroid issues is exhaustion. Feeling tired and having no energy are issues that are associated with lots of conditions, but they're strongly linked with hypothyroidism, the disorder that is a result of too little thyroid hormone. So this is like, essentially, if you're tired in the morning or all day, even after a full night's sleep, then your thyroid may be the culprit there. Um, so that is one of the main things that I sought out Dr. Leverone's assistance with is I had the weight gain, I had the fatigue, the exhaustion, the crankiness, the grumpiness, the hormonal changes in like my skin and hair falling out. What are some of the symptoms that you most commonly experience in your practice um, from folks that have hypothyroidism or thyroid disorders? Um, all, all of that. <laughs> Everything you said. Usually people come in difficulty losing weight, uh, maybe they've got PMS and fertility issues going on too, and definitely the fatigue, the brain fog, they just can't think clearly, they're not as sharp anymore, um, and hair loss. Those are kind of the big ones I see with thyroid. So do people come in and essentially have an idea that it may be a thyroid, or they just come in with a nonspecific sort of thing and say, hey, what's wrong with me? So some people who maybe have a family history and of thyroid issues, and so they're suspecting that that might be their issue too, or some patients who've been Googling online and seeing that that fatigue can be associated with thyroid may come in asking about it. But some patients just come in just saying they don't feel good, they feel like they're gaining weight, and they're kind of tired, and their PMS has gotten really bad, and they just don't know what's wrong, and we find the thyroid. So it's a, it's a little bit of both. So then my question is, 
is um, the thyroid issue and thyroid problems, is that a genetic issue? It can be. So, you know, the specific genetics, I don't think we fully understand, but we do see a correlation with, oh, my mom has thyroid, my sister has thyroid issues, my aunt, has, you know, well, we'll see a trend in families. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kind of wonder, to, you know, it, it's so hard to know exactly what those genetics are, but, you know, is it they all had the same environmental exposures and they all lived in the same house. Is it that, or is it, you know, a genetic predisposition? Um, But we do see a trend in families where, where it, it, you know, if the mom and the sister and maybe the grandma had it, then generally speaking, there's some sort of genetic picture. We just may not have it fully figured out yet. This is something that medicine has yet to conquer (laughs) as far as being able to understand some of this stuff. And I think as we continue to advance and, genetics and DNA testing and all that stuff that answers will continue to come forward. Um, Another one of the symptoms that people frequently experience with thyroid issues is feeling depressed. And um, that is one thing that they say can be common with hypothyroidism. And that is because the production of too little thyroid hormone can have an impact on the levels of the feel good serotonin in the brain. So is that something that you also get patients that experience or is it a minor sort of a thing that they experience no definitely i would say i I think it's a little mixed because a lot of times patients who do have we got a little um, guest there (laughs) yeah the cat the cat wants to participate um i think it's a little bit of a mix because patients that do have thyroid low thyroid function come (laughs) in with fatigue and they also complain of depression, but they often correlate their depression to the fact that they're so tired and not motivated, and they feel like that's making them depressed. Oh. So it can be a little bit of both. Um, I would say that I don't typically have patients come in and depression is their only symptom. Okay. And we find the thyroid. That, right. That, I would say, is more rare. Uh, it's not oh, I have depression, but I'm fine and have tons of energy. Yeah. Um, it's, really, you know, their fatigue and the depression kind of goes along with the fatigue. Okay. So one of the other symptoms that they mentioned in this article is feeling jittery and anxious. Anxiety and the feeling wired symptoms are associated with hypo- hyperthyroidism when the thyroid gland is making too much thyroid hormone. This can flood the body with consistent all-systems-go messages where the whole body may spin into overdrive. If you feel like you just can't relax, your thyroid may be hyper. So does this also something that may potentially be experienced by hypothyroid patients? Because I have experienced this, and I do have the hypothyroidism. Yeah, so this, this particular point is a little bit more complicated. I will say, one... You can have hyperthyroidism. It's less common than hypo. So it's it's more rare to have the over-functioning thyroid, first of all. Okay. Uh, this is called Graves' disease, as in the graveyard. Graves, not to be morbid, but right. Graves' disease. And it's an autoimmune condition, which causes excess as the article said thyroid hormone thyroid hormone is stimulating so it will cause increase in heart rate and their and anxiety and insomnia loose stools etc this typically is pretty pronounced in graves patients it's pretty obvious that that's what's going on 
Now, in a uh, to address your question of can this happen in hypothyroidism, mm-hmm. it can, usually not severity that it happens in Graves' disease. Right. And when it happens in hypothyroidism, there's two reasons. One, you the person with hypothyroid has that condition due to an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's. Okay. Hashimoto's is a form of hypothyroidism where you have autoimmune antibodies attacking your thyroid. You can have a flare-up where your autoimmune antibodies attack damage your thyroid gland resulting in a opening of the thyroid gland and a flooding of hormones coming out oh that's crazy or you get a momentary rush of thyroid hormone creating those symptoms how long does that last for the hypothyroidism folks when they get that autoimmune hyper reaction because of destruction of the tissues causing the release of hormones, it can vary from a few hours to a couple days. Wow. Or long. Um, it kind of just depends on the severity of the damage that's done in the moment. The other reason why somebody with a normally with a low functioning thyroid with hypothyroid can have this wired feeling is because the thyroid gland works very closely with the adrenal glands. The adrenals are our emergency get-up-and-go, fight-or-flight, cortisol-producing, dopamine-producing gland. Now, because the thyroid and the adrenals work so closely together, if the thyroid is stressed, the adrenals are going to be stressed. So you can therefore have fluctuations in those cortisol and dopamine levels which can then result in that wired anxiety picture. Oh, geez. Again, I think adrenals are a whole nother episode as well. Yeah, adrenals are a whole other episode, but the bottom line is you can have transient symptoms of that hyper anxiety, palpitations, insomnia. You can have transient symptoms of those with the low thyroid function. But again, the key is that they're transient. Yes. When you have active hyperthyroid with Graves' disease, it's persistent over weeks that you can't, you're losing sleep and you have anxiety and heart palpitations. Okay. So long term versus short term. Yeah. So this next um, particular symptom was interesting to me because I had no idea this was even a thing, but it says that your appetite and taste buds can be altered with uh, thyroid issues. It says an increased appetite can be a sign of hyperthyroidism when too much thyroid horm- hormone may, be, may have you feeling hungry all the time. The upside is that hyper part of the disorder typically offsets the caloric impact of the increased appetite. So the end result isn't a weight gain. An underactive thyroid, on the other hand, can mess with your sense of taste and smell. So that, I thought, was very interesting. Yeah, um, I, I have to admit I haven't heard that. Um, not that it can't be a thing because we already mentioned thyroid hormone affects every single cell in your entire body. Right. Um, I haven't heard specifically the changes of taste and smell. But that's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, I have experienced that myself, but I really kind of have no idea whether it's a function of the thyroid issue or whether it's a sinus issue. Because when you do have sinus issues and infection and whatnot, right. it yeah. impacts your sense of taste and smell as well. Right. But 
Um, very interesting. I, I wonder how you would pinpoint something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to now that I'm hearing this, I'll have to you know kind of look at my thyroid patients and see if that's coming up. I've not heard that be in. I mean, I've heard people complain about that in general over the years, but rarely. And I I don't specifically have that correlated to thyroid off the top of my head at the moment. It's not something that I typically think of with, no. with hypothyroid. That's interesting. But, it, but increased appetite with hyperthyroid, for sure. Because you've increased your metabolic rate, right? Because yes. thyroid is, I always think of thyroid hormone as like the pacemaker of the body. Like we said, it touches every cell and tells every cell what to do and when to do it. Right. So you crank that up, your metabolism's cranked up, which means your caloric need goes up to keep up with that. Yes. So definitely increase appetite with hyperthyroid. So the next symptom out of this is a fuzzy brain feeling. And I know you mentioned that earlier. Um, and they say yep. that it can be caused by sleep deprivation or by aging, but cognitive functioning can take a hit when your thyroid is out of whack. Too much thyroid, ho- thyroid hormone can cause difficulty concentrating and too little can cause forgetfulness and brain fog. Have it. Got it. My hand's raised. <laughs> that is one of the yeah. worst parts about it. Yeah, it, it does. It can make you feel like, I mean, I have thyroid issues too, so I take my medication and I know when I don't take it, it's like you're walking through mud. You just, it's, everything is this dense fog and you can't think straight and you can't remember things or formulate your sentences and everything is just that much harder. Oh yeah. Um, so common with the low functioning thyroid hormone you know, brain fog is the term that we use. You can have difficult time concentrating, difficult time remembering things. And again, it's just harder to kind of work through a problem and multitask. And then again, like the article said, if you have too much thyroid hormone, that extra stimulation causes a lot of agitation to the brain. So that doesn't cause the brain fog, but it's like you have ADHD type symptoms. And so you can't focus because your brain is just firing to all over the place yeah well and if you're anything like me you combat that thinking well maybe if i just have some caffeine it'll help and then i think the caffeine probably just makes it worse because then it's it's isn't that bad for your thyroid well it's more it's worse for your adrenal glands and the adrenal glands are related to the thyroid so indirectly too much caffeine can be a problem now i'm not going to shot down coffee totally you know a little bit of coffee is okay but it's when you're drinking multiple cups in the morning and coffee again in the afternoon that that becomes a problem right absolutely um the next thing on this list is something that i never really considered either until i started doing research but it says that it can cause lost interest in sex so having little or no desire could in in the sack, it says, could be a side effect of a thyroid disorder. Too little thyroid hormone could be a contributor to a low libido, but the cumulative impact of other hypothyroidism symptoms, weight gain, low energy, and body aches could also play a part in that. And that's um, an interesting thing as well, because I think we tend to think of that as attributed to uh, you know, decreasing hormones as we age and not necessarily as a thyroid issue. Yeah, and... And it is that, you know, libido is a funny thing. It's definitely multifactorial. So high stress um, for, well, I mean, a lot of us have high stress, but high stress will decrease libido. I mean, we could do a whole episode on libido. 
Um, but <laughs> right. the, brief, the brief moment we're touching on it, as it relates to thyroid, low thyroid function, you know, you're thinking you're tired. Yeah. Your brain's fogged. You, of course you're not going to want to have sex. You know, you're exhausted because you don't have enough thyroid stimulation. And thyroid hormone directly impacts your reproductive hormones. So there can be an impact there as well. Um, you know, again, if your only symptom is low libido, it's probably not your thyroid because that there's multi fact there's multi multiple contributing factors to why someone would have low libido. But when you do have low thyroid and you're tired and you have these other things going on, low libido can very much go along with that. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the next symptoms that I have on this list is feeling fluttery. Um, it says that that fluttery feeling that you get when, when you have a thyroid issue could be related to heart palpitations. It can feel like your heart is actually fluttering or skipping a beat or two or beating too hard or too quickly. You may notice these feelings in your chest or pulse points at your throat and neck. Heart flutters or palpitations can be a sign of too much thyroid hormone flooding your system, the hyperthyroidism. But I feel like I've experienced this to a certain degree, too, and I think it probably goes back to the discussion that we were having earlier about the flooding of the system when your thyroid is being attacked by an autoimmune issue. Yeah, that or the adrenal pictures. So any adrenal pictures as well that can commonly couple thyroid disorders can also contribute to the health palpitation. Absolutely. So can dehydration and so can loss of electrolytes. Um, so keeping that in mind as well. Well, and then when you're drinking the coffee to combat the fatigue and the exhaustion and the brain fog, then you're dehydrating yourself even further. And it just like is a vicious cycle. Yep. Yep. Uh, dry skin. Dry yep. skin can be an issue that is attached to hypo hypothyroidism that can change the texture and the appearance of your skin due to slowed metabolism. Um, and then it can reduce sweating. So even skin with enough moisture can be quickly become dry and flaky. Nails also can become brittle and may develop ridges with a thyroid issue. And I have that, <laughs> I have all of it. And you know, I have oily skin just in general, but having experienced this, I've found that I now have dry skin and nails for the first time in my life. And it is weird. Yep, yep. Dry skin, hair, and nails, very common with low-functioning thyroid. That is not one of my favorite symptoms, not that any of them are. but And then yep. unpredictable bowels. Gosh, who doesn't have this annoying trait from the thyroid issue? Again, bowel function could be another entire episode. Right, um, gastrointestinal issues, right? There. The typical rule of thumb, too much thyroid equals loose stools, too little thyroid equals slow stools, so constipation. Just awful, okay. awful, awful. Yeah, and you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because too much thyroid means too much stimulation, right? So what would happen if you stimulate the guts too much? You know, you're going to get more activity. And low thyroid, not enough stimulation, so things slow down, which includes the bowel, so constipation. So your whole body again, just like slow grinds to a halt. Right. Yeah. And again, there <clears throat> is, 
you know, a dozen different reasons why you could have diarrhea or constipation. So right. not strictly related to the thyroid, but again, that's why we're not diagnosing anyone on the show, folks. Please, please, please. Yeah. If you've got issues or concerns or you suspect that a thyroid issue or an adrenal issue may be something you're experiencing, just see your doctor. It's that simple. They can help diagnose you, direct you and point you in the right direction. Um, periods yeah. changing. That can yep, be something yep. associated also. Longer menstrual periods with a heavier flow and more cramps can be a sign of hypothyroidism. Um, thyroid hormones yep. are in short supply, so that can cause longer periods and periods that are closer together, it says. Yeah, lots of changes. It's because thyroid hormone directly affects how estrogen and progesterone interact in the menstrual cycle, and therefore you can have variances that can range kind of all over the place but it's typical to be more what we call estrogen dominant and that could be a whole other episode yeah <laughs> um that overstimulation of estrogen can lead to heavy cycles longer cycles or sh short i mean you can get all over the place but definitely changes if you got pms and you got irregular periods like these are not normal you don't have to live with them they could be something not related but they can also very much be related to a poor under functioning thyroid so, and then again, shorter, lighter periods can be attributed to the hyperthyroidism. So longer, yeah. heavier to the hypo, shorter to the hyper. Yeah. Um, next symptom is painful extremities or muscles. So if you've got the thyroid disorders, if you have mysterious or sudden tingling or numbness or actual pain in your arms, legs, feet, or hands, this could be a sign of hypothyroidism. Over time, producing too little thyroid hormone can damage the nerves that send signals from your brain and spinal cord throughout your body. Crazy. It just really, really, I think, again, just hits home how much the thyroid impacts every other part of your body. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that that's probably an extreme, I would say that's probably an extreme example of what's going on. Um, uh, you know, I, I'd say you'd have to have a pretty significant case of hypothyroidism that had been going untreated for a while before you have symptoms like that. Um, I would say that's probably on the farther end of the spectrum, but definitely within the realm of the symptoms. So don't mess around, people. Don't let it sit. Don't wait years and years and years. Go get checked out. It could make the difference in your, your quality of life. Um, yeah. And again, it's, you don't have to live with just not feeling great. I mean, there's other options out there. Absolutely. Um, next symptom would be high blood pressure. This can be a symptom of thyroid disorder. Both hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism have been fingered as culprits for this particular issue. By some estimates, people with hypothyroidism have two to three times the risk of developing hypertension. One theory is that low amounts of thyroid hormone can slow the heartbeat, which can affect pumping strength and blood vessel wall flexibility. It both can cause a rise in blood pressure. Yeah, I see the hyper, the blood pressure more in the hyperthyroidism. I don't see that as much in the hypo. But it's still a possibility, though, right? Yeah, it's still within the realm or the realm of possibility, just less common. Right. Um, thermostat is on the fritz. So feeling cold or having chills is associated with hypothyroidism. The system slowdown caused by an underactive thyroid means less energy is being burned by cells. 
This means less heat in your body. On the other hand, an overactive thyroid puts energy-producing cells into overdrive. That's why people with hyperthyroidism sometimes feel too warm or sweat profusely. Both problems sound awful. I have experienced that chills myself and just sort of issues where you just cannot get warm no matter how many blankets you put on your body and you just are freezing. Yep, yep, yeah. Poor temperature again, that slow down of metabolism. You know, everything is like going into hibernation. So your body temperature tends to drop. Hypothyroid patients tend to run low. Like every time you take your temperature, you're running under that 98.6 mark. Uh, cold hands and feet, very common. And then, yeah, the hyperthyroid, excess stimulation, everything's ramped up, more circulation, definitely higher body temperatures. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, this one seems a little bit more normal, like I would suspect this would be an issue, but your horse or your neck feels funny. So a change, yeah. in, a change in your voice or a lump in your throat to be a sign of a thyroid disorder. One way to check is to take a good look at your neck to see if you can detect any signs of thyroid swelling. You can also do a physical check on your own thyroid at home. Um, using a hand mirror, watch your throat as you swallow a drink of water. You're looking for any bulges or protrusions in the thyroid area, which is below your Adam's apple, but above your collarbones. You may want to try this several times to get a hang of where your thyroid really is. If you see anything that's lumpy or suspicious, see your doctor. Absolutely. <laughs> Take a yeah. look. Be aware of your body, ladies and gentlemen. If you are not, there is a good chance you're going to miss something pretty darn critical that could impact your life in a major way. Everything from yeah. breast, self-breast exam to your hair, to the moles on your body, to your thyroid in your neck. Pay attention to what's going on with your body and know when there are changes to your body because that can be a, a huge, huge thing. Yeah, it can be. And, you know, I think a lot of folks, uh, by no fault of their own, aren't connected to the way they're feeling and what's going on. And I think that that's a product of society that we're not really taught that when we're younger. And then we're also so caught up with all the busy to do's of every day and work and family and kids that you kind of sometimes forget to pay attention to what's going on in yourself. And it's important that we all kind of take time out to nurture ourselves and kind of check in with what's going on in general. Yes. And then yes, with the thyroid, uh, like the article said, it's right above that little, the collarbone and that little dippy notch at the bottom of your throat. It's right above that on top of your larynx and your vocal cords there. You normally can't feel it. It's kind of, you don't, there's, you know, you push and there's really nothing much going on there. Um, so unless there's something if, wrong, you're really not going to feel anything there typically, I'm right? You're not going to feel it. Um, you know, we train in med school to learn how to feel the thyroid, and it takes practice to really be able to feel it. So it's such a subtle thing. Yes. Um, so feeling a mass there, you definitely want to get that checked out. If you're feeling lumps and bumps that are different than just the ridges on the larynx right. in your that are normal, then you definitely want to get that checked out. And certainly I do – I have had patients come in who will say – I've been feeling the last couple of months like there's a lump in my throat. Like you can't, <clears throat> it's like there's something you want to clear and it just never goes away. Oh there's that nag 
pressure in your throat and that often is because the thyroid has enlarged and is putting pressure on the that's awful right there so how often do you have patients that come in and are presenting with you where you can visibly see something different by looking at their throat uh that's not as common um two reasons though however is that sometimes patients come in when they're having symptoms before it gets to the point where the thyroid gets enlarged but the other reason is because I'm a naturopathic doctor and there's patients typically if they see a mass will end up going to their primary care first or their medical doctor first. Right. So that's why I don't see that very often. Interesting. Uh, normally it's in the, in the blood work. But when I do an exam, I can't maybe see it. But if I do an exam and palpate the thyroid, you can often feel, oh, Yep, there's it's a little bigger right there than it should be. And <laughs> oh my god, now I'm feeling mine like, oh my god, is there something wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> Typical me being the hypochondriac that I am. Um yeah. so <laughs> one of the other more common symptoms of thyroid issues is your sleep schedule's messed up. So if you want to sleep all the time, it could be hypothyroidism. A sluggish thyroid can slow down bodily functions to the point where sleeping, even in the daytime, seems like a brilliant idea. But if you can't sleep, it could be hyperthyroidism because an overactive thyroid can cause anxiety and rapid pulse, which can make it hard to fall asleep or even wake you up in the middle of the night. This is something that has been so huge for me for the last probably five to 10 years that it's just, it's awful. I literally feel like I could sleep 20 hours a day and still not get enough. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was the same with me. When I, when I was in med school when my thyroid decided it didn't want to cooperate anymore, um, which so for me, that was a product of stress. There's no thyroid yeah. issues in my body. That was straight stress. Um, and I would... I'd skip school. I would say, you know, I'm, I just need to rest. I just need to catch up on my sleep. And I would literally stay in bed all day, only getting up to use the bathroom, not even getting up to eat and think, okay, and I'll just sleep through till the morning, next morning and I'll be better. And I'd wake up in the morning still just as exhausted. We could and be twins. We could be twins from a, from another mother, sisters from yeah. another mother. <laughs> that was so me. Yeah. And that, that's when I knew I needed, you know, something was wrong and I got on the thyroid medication. But yeah, that exhaustion where you just want to sleep all the time is is low thyroid usually. That's usually low thyroid. So that's extreme fatigue. I mean, you really need to have that, the thyroid checked. And then, yeah, the insomnia, up all night, can't sleep, light, maybe a light sleeper. That's usually uh, too much thyroid. I thought I had um, narcolepsy for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah and, and that, that, you know, uh, I wonder sometimes if people getting diagnosed with narcolepsy are getting misdiagnosed and the thyroid's getting missed. Right? I yeah. just have read a lot of stuff about that lately, too, and that's, again, a whole nother episode on that because that is a super, super yeah. interesting issue. Um, but, yeah, the sleep can't get enough. But um, one of the more common other symptoms that people experience on this is the weight gain. And this is probably, I think, this and the fatigue are the two worst parts of it. Because I've always been kind of an athletic person, fit, healthy, played volleyball, run, lift weights. And now I've suddenly gained like 15 or 20 pounds and it just will not budge. Yeah, yeah, that's, 
and I'd say that that's probably, um, there's probably a lot of cases of people coming in for weight, and we find that it's their thyroid. So I do get a lot of cases of women coming in, and their main complaint is, God, I just feel like I'm, yeah, my diet really hasn't changed that much, or I've been trying to lose weight, and I'm doing everything right, and it doesn't, like, I've lost five pounds in three months, and I'm not eating anything, you know, like, the, these stories where it's just been hard, and uh, I, I will find that we look at their, oh, well, no wonder your, your thyroid's not working, yeah. uh, and the fatigue ends up being, like, the secondary symptom, um, but I do have cases sometimes where people, women come in, and they can't, they're having trouble with weight, and it's because of the thyroid. Well, I mean, I hate that we have to cor- to correlate that with the thyroid because I think that there are some women out there and men as well who just will have a really shitty diet, not exercise, and, oh, well, I have a shitty thyroid, and blame it on that. Right. So. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. And, you know, it's easy to. Um, to use that as a crutch. Yeah, and I try and encourage my patients never to. And it's hard as humans not to do this, but get attached to the diagnosis and make that your sort of prison sentence. Like, this is just how you're stuck. You yeah. know, we always have the power to change things and improve things. And just because you have a thyroid, just because you have whatever, doesn't mean that you can't do something about it. Doesn't mean that you can't improve it and and make things better it's not you know a sentence yeah well it's not a terminal disease either unless you don't take care of it and treat your body like crap in which case you can literally kill yourself but um (laughs) thinning hair that is one thing i have experienced dry or thinning brittle hair that breaks or falls out can be a sign of hypothyroidism too little thyroid hormone can disrupt your hair growth cycle and put too many follicles into resting mode resulting in hair loss This one is crazy. So this can be all over your body or can be your eyebrows or can be just the hair on your scalp. Um, It is crazy. I have literally experienced this to the point where I have like a handful of hair would just kind of come out as I was sort of messing with my hair and my eyebrows have completely gone. Um, I now have to do microblading because I have my eyebrows are so sparse and so light and I've never plucked my eyebrows so it's definitely one thing, one of those things on this list that you don't tend to think about or attribute to thyroid issues, but it is a doozy. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that we look for in our physical exam with patients is the eyebrow thinning on the edges. We call this the Queen Anne sign. So the eyebrows are supposed to come all the way out to the corners of our eyes in terms of its alignment on our face. But if your eyebrows are thinning on the far edges and ending a little bit earlier on your face, that's what we call a Queen Anne sign. Now, that may be just genetic in the way your eyebrows are, but that is a really common symptom and a physical finding that we look for as practitioners to kind of clue us into the thyroid. And then hair loss on the scalp, that's another big reason why women sometimes come into my office. This morning, actually, I had a patient who her main complaint is weight. And she's got some GI issues. And, oh, by the way, she's been losing hair for the last year or so. Um, 
fatigue actually wasn't her big complaint, but we did her blood work and it came back today and she has Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. Oh, so that's, you know, and thankfully she came in because we could diagnose it. Now we can, we can manage it so she can feel better. But that, that hair loss is a huge one. And oftentimes when we'll come in without being their primary concern, because obviously none of us want to lose our hair. Right. So that's a big motivator to come to the doctor. So what is the difference between regular hypothyroidism and, and the Hashimoto's? The Hashimoto's is hypothyroidism due to an autoimmune reaction. So you can have poor functioning thyroid that is a result of chronic stress on the body and the thyroid is just basically burnt out and no longer showing up to the show, so to speak. Um, you can have it for maybe a pituitary issue. Uh, but then the other reason you can have hypothyroidism is because the body is now attacking the thyroid and destroying the tissue, thus decreasing the numbers of available hormone, and that is called Hashimoto's. That is crazy, and you can really only diagnose diagnose that through blood testing? Correct, yeah. Interesting. So... Basically, this next symptom may not be something that is quite as noticeable because I think probably a good portion of women that come in and get diagnosed with this aren't necessarily in the pregnancy age range or aren't trying to get pregnant. But having trouble getting pregnant can be one of those things um, attributed to the thyroid. Both of them can, inter both hypo and hyperthyroidism, can interfere with ovulation, which impairs fertility. Um, and they're also, thyroid disorders are also linked to pregnancy complications. So uh, like myself, like I'm not trying to get pregnant. I'm, you know, in the age range where I'm starting to like, just consider pregnancy out of, out of uh, not going to happen. Um, so I don't necessarily think of that as being an issue, but if I were to try and I had a thyroid issue, it may be that I couldn't because of the thyroid issue. Yeah. That's definitely a big one. So I, I do work with women fertility, and I'm always checking their thyroid. Um, that's, I actually had a woman today, um, my other patient this morning, who recently had a miscarriage, and we checked her blood work. Um, she's a new patient of mine, and we checked her blood work, and it came back, and she has just barely under-functioning, not, not a severe low thyroid function, but it's just barely under-functioning thyroid and, uh, you know, I told her this morning, like, you know, I would tell anybody listening, the thyroid is key for reproductive hormone balancing and thus regular ovulation and does have an ability, an effect on your ability to become pregnant. And more importantly, it is essential to fetal development. So you are at higher risk of miscarriages with lower thyroid functions and also, uh, other complications with the fetus and the pregnancy, as she mentioned, is in the article with a lower functioning thyroid. So, so even just that, thyroid, even just that tiny bit of fluctuation, a tiny bit of underfunctioning, can really impact significantly in, in pregnancy. Well, now that's going to be relative um, from person to person. And so, for for example, for this particular patient. I believe that her low thyroid function was secondary to adrenal stress. Okay. And uh, I believe that if we support her adrenal functions, that her thyroid will balance back out. So that's how I'm addressing it with her. Okay. Um, and if she con continues to have problems getting pregnant, then I'm going to recommend a more aggressive approach in managing the thyroid specifically. Um, but 
if you have, so in her case, she was barely function, you know, barely under functioning, which um, makes me think about her ability to get pregnant and the fetus. But I don't think that she was at the point where I needed to get super aggressive with it, which is different than some other cases where we will always check the thyroid when they're trying to get pregnant and we will manage the thyroid accordingly because it has such an impact on not only fertility, but again, that fetal development. So, so important to have proper thyroid stimulation for fetal development. Wow. Very interesting. Um, This next symptom is one that I have heard from a number of doctors that it can be a significant concern with thyroid thyroid issues, and that is high cholesterol. So folks with thyroid issues can have high cholesterol. Talk about that a little bit. What can that do? That's a big one, and the reason is because the cholesterol, your body is able to break down an extreme cholesterol through the liver. And when you have low-functioning thyroid, all metabolic activity slows down, including that activity in the liver. So we will see elevations in cholesterol happen very, very commonly with low thyroid function. And often uh, when I do blood work, I'll see high cholesterol and low thyroid. And like, well, let's just treat your thyroid and see what happens. And most of the time, cholesterol comes down simply by treating the thyroid and doing nothing else. Um, that's not always the case, but it can happen very frequently that all we have to do is treat the thyroid and the metabolism gets back on board and the body can get, keep the cholesterol in check at that point. So what happens if it's not treated and you continue to just have your cholesterol escalate out of control? Well, um, elevated cholesterol is a contributing factor to cardiovascular disease. So your high cholesterol increases your risk of heart attacks and strokes, uh, which none of us want. No. Um, so if, if you are maybe going to an MD who's only monitoring your cholesterol and not monitoring your thyroid, because again, they're not holistic, mm-hmm. they're simply looking at one organ system, uh, they may put you on a statin medication to lower your cholesterol, which statin medications, uh, unfortunately, all they actually do is lower the number. They don't actually decrease the rate of mortality and morbidity, and they have pretty significant side effects because they block cholesterol production in the body at a a key point where you're blocking production of other essential nutrients, such as CoQ10. So a lot of people don't tolerate that medication, um, and there can be other issues with the medication in the long term benefits aren't actually as great as we may think or they have been touted to be it's simply lowering the number um there are other options again that could be another show but there are other options for lowering it but that's the risk that you take in not treating the system holistically and not treating the thyroid is that you're increasing your cardiovascular risk and you may end up on a statin medication as a way to control that risk. Talk to me a little bit about diagnosing these issues. How does it happen? What what are they So patient suspects that they have a thyroid issue, they go into the doctor, then what happens? How do they diagnose this issue? Yeah. So, uh, this is a good question. Now, typically speaking, there are two ways to do it. One, we diagnose them based on their symptoms. Do they fit the picture of somebody with low thyroid? Um, what are their physical signs? Are we seeing that they've got weight gain? Are we seeing that there's 
a palpable thyroid in their throat? Are we seeing that Queen Anne sign? Are we seeing that their skin is dry and their fingernails are brittle? Um, and then, you know, that puts a picture in our head of, okay, it sounds like maybe you've got hypothyroidism. Um, or, you know, the reverse. You know, the patient comes in and they're um, maybe oily skin and they're complaining of heart palpitations and their heart rate's way up. You know, so maybe we're thinking Graves' disease. But ultimately, it's a blood test. Ultimately, we have to measure the thyroid hormones, and that will determine what your levels are and then be able to diagnose you with the thyroid issue if it is present. What I will say that is something that I feel is important for everyone to understand is in traditional medicine, they only look at one or two markers for thyroid health. As naturopathic doctors or as functional medical doctors, we look at six different markers for thyroid health. It gives us a much broader picture and understanding of what is actually going on because the thyroid is much more complicated than I feel traditional medical systems give it credit for. And I find that hypothyroid is often misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed in the traditional medical field because they aren't looking at all the markers and because when as functional medical practitioners, when we look at thyroid function, we are looking at optimal levels, which are much more narrow in their range than the traditional lab values in a medical system. And because we look at things holistically, we also understand that things like elevated cortisol and inflammation in the body and nutritional deficiencies can skew the findings in the lab work and that we can use that information to better interpret the data in combination with the patient's symptoms to accurately diagnose them. So folks, this is why you may go to a normal doctor and they may say, your thyroid is fine. There is nothing wrong with you. So yep. that does not mean that that is the case. It just means that you need to dig a little deeper and maybe look at yep. some additional markers within your body rather than just looking at that wide brushstroke that the doctor's looking at. And that's not to say that the normal doctor is wrong. It's just to say that they're looking at things in a broad or open picture rather than digging into what may actually be going on. So yeah. that being said, can you tell the listeners... Number one, what kinds of things you should avoid if you suspect you have thyroid issues? And what sorts of things can you do to show your thyroid some love? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, I would say iodine is probably a big common thing that people hear about in taking care of their thyroid. But I advise caution for anybody going out and buying a supplement with iodine because... If you happen to have the Hashimoto's version of Which is the autoimmune, right? The autoimmune-related disorder. The autoimmune-related disorder, the iodine is actually not helpful. Yikes. So you may, in your research and listening to this, have seen iodine. Oh, take iodine. Um, but in, if, if you have the autoimmune version, you don't actually want to take the iodine. Could that damage so you? Because, yeah. It, it can aggravate the picture because the autoimmune antibodies are – thyroid hormone is made up of iodine, which is why a lot of people say take iodine because then you can make more thyroid hormone, which is correct and can work. The challenge is, is if you have the antibodies attacking your thyroid gland, they are attacking the thyroid gland at 
point where the iodine is used to make the hormone. So if you put more iodine in the system, then you're only backing up the problem because the iodine can't actually get into the thyroid and then you've got iodine flooding in other places that you don't want it. Okay, so, so no iodine. If See your doctor. Yeah. If the doctor tells you to take it, then take it. But be cautious and, and get your diagnosis, first of all, because you want to find yeah. out whether you have that autoimmune-related part of it or whether you just have an under-functioning thyroid. So in my research and in seeing doctors, I've heard them say, avoid alcohol, avoid sugar, um, avoid drugs, avoid smoking. Are these things really impactful when it comes to helping your thyroid function properly? Well, I mean, those things are helpful anyway, right? I mean, we should all eat less sugar and drink less and don't do drugs, right? Mm -hmm. For general wellness. Um, I would say for the thyroid, my main things are you want to support, there are two things. One, adrenal function is you always want to support the adrenal function. Taking things like magnesium, adrenally supportive herbs like rhodiola, ashwagandha, uh, your B vitamins, B vitamins are really good. So adrenal support is really helpful. Uh, that includes getting a proper seven to eight hours of sleep every night. Uh, you also can take other minerals to support thyroid. Selenium, which is in Brazil nuts, which are one of my favorite nuts. You can eat four Brazil nuts a day and get all the selenium you need. That is one of the essential minerals for thyroid function. Taking a good mineral complex in general can help thyroid function. And then the other thing is gut health. Gut, There is a very strong correlation between your gut health and your thyroid. And identifying and removing your food sensitivities and taking plenty of probiotics is a great way to start with gut health and supporting your thyroid. There is a correlation with gluten specifically, and I know a lot of people are going to hate that I just said that, but oh, well. there is a correlation <laughs> between gluten and uh, autoimmune thyroiditis. So I always recommend people to go on a gluten-free diet. At least until they get the thyroid under control and then maybe gradually put it back in. I mean, geez, with the amount of interesting news that I have seen lately with the stuff that's in the wheat and the corn and some of the other stuff that has just impacted the way, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have celiacs or that you're gluten intolerant just in general, but it could be just yeah. causing your the, your body to react in a different way than you would think. Inflammation, unwanted inflammation. Right, right. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I think this is a pretty good coverage. I mean, obviously, we could talk about this for days. There are so many different components of it. But we got to kind of start wrapping things up here. And I still want to have the listeners kind of get a feel for your practice. I want you to talk a little bit about your practice in over it's in uh, La Jolla. Yeah, yeah. So in La Jolla, San Diego, uh, in beautiful Bird Rock, which is a little uh, community between La Jolla and Pacific Beach. I'm very, very lucky I get to work near the ocean every day. Uh, our practice is, our office is called Koi, as in the Koi Fish, K-O-I Wellbeing, um, and that's our website, koiwellbeing.com. I will so put a link to that in the show notes, folks. Put a link to the website <laughs> for you. So you can read more about me on the website and the services that we provide. As I mentioned, um, I've been in practice almost 11 years, but I joined a team of people to open up this practice in La Jolla just over three years ago, um, which is 
have been great. We have a couple other doctors on staff doing different things as well oh, there awesome. too. And, you know, as I mentioned, I do a lot of women's health. I do bioidentical hormones. I do a ton of work with the thyroid, just the whole endocrine system in general. Because, again, holistic approach, it's all connected. I can't just do one and not do the other. So that's a lot of what I do. And I love I love educating. I love supporting my patients. I love empowering my patients. I'm here just to facilitate the process for people, provide them options and guidance, and support them through whatever they need to get to their wellness. I love Dr. Leveron, folks. Go see her. What can the listeners do if they want to get an appointment with you? So they, if they want to get an appointment, they can call our office. The number is 858-257-2808. I can do Skype calls as well if people are not close by. That is always an option as well, too. That's awesome. And the front desk is amazing, too. My, my ladies that work at the front desk are wonderful. They're a wealth of knowledge, uh, so you can always ask them questions, too. Um, about myself, about naturopathic medicine, about the process. There's, again, a ton of information on our website as well, too. Can they book online through your website? Uh, we currently are not booking consults online through the website, though we are working on it, but it's a, it, because everybody needs a different appointment, it can get a little bit complicated. So yeah. I, we prefer to have them call so that the front desk can guide them through what's appropriate. Awesome. Well, I, this has been an, a, just an amazing experience. It's always nice chatting with you. I would absolutely yeah, love yeah. to have you on the show at another time. You are, like your ladies, you said, oh, you're a wealth of knowledge, and it's been so awesome chatting with you. You too, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to come back and chat anytime. As I mentioned, talking about this stuff and education is my favorite part. Go see her, folks. Um, I have put her website into the show notes. If you have any questions, I believe there's email contact information on the website as well if they want to ask questions. Yep. All right. I am going yep. to uh, wrap the show up at this point. Um, this is the point where we say goodbye. So long, farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send us an email. We are at hypochondriacsalmanac at gmail.com. I have put the email into the show notes as well. Please feel free to send us an email if you have questions, comments, suggestions, want something to be on the show in the future. Please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical news, conditions, and treatments. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye!